Hi, everyone. Welcome to the third local talk session. Um, we're so psyched that you are here and you could carve out time out of your evening or your day, wherever you are, to attend this session. Um, my name is Sarah Kukirizandagire, and I'm a graduate architect. And I will also, like I've been for the past two events, I'll also be your host and moderator today. Um, this is our last talk of the year, and it will actually also be the last talk that I'll be a part of. So I'd like to take uh, a moment to genuinely thank you all for showing up each time and cutting out the time out of your schedules to attend these talks about conversations that relate to conversations about green design. For those who are new to this space, um, Local Talks is a series of quarterly events. Um, these talks were curated with the aim of creating an open forum for the exchange of ideas, honest debate and knowledge sharing, as you're going to see this evening. These sessions are meant to bring together people who are interested in and passionate about all sorts of green design, architecture and construction in East Africa and actually all around the world because over the past two talks, we are excited to say that we've been getting an audience from over 13 countries each time. So actually, if you can go ahead and let us know where you're tuning in from in the chat, uh, what city or country you're tuning in from. So before introducing our speakers, I'd also like to take this time to thank the Uganda Society of Architects for supporting this event. Um, particularly architect Kenneth Amasimire, who plays a key role in promoting these talks in the various architecture circles here in Uganda. We are grateful for your support. I'd also like to note that this webinar is being recorded and it's also being live streamed on the Local Works Facebook page. Um, so in case you miss anything, you can always catch the replay on the Local Works Facebook page, but we'll also um, upload it on YouTube and send you an email with that information. For this evening's event, we are going to dive into building with straw and we are hopefully going to get an answer to the question that was in our event poster tagline. Is this a suitable construction material for East Africa? Um, our lineup today has two experts who have been researching and using this material for a total of 34 years combined between them. Um, that's Andy Horn and Eckhard Dock. So Andy is a qualified professional architect with over 24 years of experience um, with the design and construction of natural buildings. He also established his own architecture practice in 1998 called Eco Design Architects and Consultants in South Africa. And Eckhart is the founder of Green Carbon, of Zero Carbon Design, sorry. Um, he's an entrepreneur and impact investor who 10 years ago started to introduce green building technologies to East Africa. And he has created a local value chain to produce sustainable building materials, create climate responsive designs and build tanky structures here in East Africa. So both our presenters, our speakers will 
present for about 20 minutes each. And after that, we shall have a Q&A to keep the discussion going. Um, if you are watching on Zoom, feel free to drop your questions in the Q&A box, not the chat, the Q&A box. And if you are on Facebook, do leave your questions in the comment section and we'll answer as many as we can um, after this presentation. So Andy, thank you for being here. You can go ahead. Okay, um, am I on there? Yes, you are. Okay. Um, let's just get this to full screen. Sorry, there we go. Okay. Right. Um, uh, just to briefly um, say, yeah, my focus um, and particularly around straw bale building, um, obviously uh, it's counterposed to our conventional, very carbon intensive um, technology. And in South Africa, we rely on coal mostly for energy. So all that cement that we use in construction is coming from there. And the other point is just that as a point of departure, um, as a designer, is to try to be conscious of uh, the chain of events from uh, in, from where the extraction of the material to eventually to construction, uh, manufacture, you know, construction and then demolition potentially or reuse. Um, and so it's trying to understand where do these things come from? What impacts are we having in totality on the environment, on society, on the, the economy, uh, and not just on uh, necessarily micro scale, but trying to understand things a bit more on a macro scale. So, and then historically, this country, uh, you know, we have a lot of natural building, all our kind of so-called natural, um, all our settler buildings, the very early ones, three, four hundred years back, um, they're all made of mud brick. And the one on the top left there you'll see is um, made of light clay straw. So that's our oldest one that I know of, of, of clay and straw construction. Um, you know, more uh, in Southern Africa, I come from Swaziland, um, you know, there's a lot of clay buildings and um but they they kind of don't last um because generally we you know uh, foundations and if they're not they don't have good foundations then um as as all sort of uh, earth buildings in the they have problems so a, a straw bale building like earth construction um is you know the basic rule there is you want these buildings to last um you need a good pair of boots and a good hat so a roof and good foundation of something harder than mud that's not going to suck the moisture up. Um, so to quickly go through straw bale building, straw, uh, this kind of history overview, um, building, straw bale buildings are now over 100 years old um, and kind of um, basically they, they originated in Nebraska in the States um, with the advent of the baling machine where um, uh, the grasses were baled and materials were so scarce that that it was just an obvious thing to use the grass and they bailed and then they ended up getting plastered they were originally um, not even intended typically as permanent structures but some of these things survived um, and then that's when when that some people kind of discovered that in the 80s that kind of started a, a revival and people wrote books and the next thing there was a kind of straw bale, uh, building revival and that took off 
um, you can see um, kind of all over. And so, you know, even uh, in Alabama, which is very hot and humid, I, I put the slide in, um, there's a building there that's, you know, 80 years old, 82 years old, um, and, it's a, and it's a national monument, and it's made of straw bale, um, and, you know, very hot and humid there. Uh, Australia, you know, so it's, it's, as I said, it's, it's kind of taken off, and you get straw bale buildings now all over the world, um, in all kinds, from rural to urban settings. Um, in France, they've been building seven, eight-story uh, apartments um, in straw bale construction, in infilled in between conventional, you know, concrete frame construction. So, uh, and then if you look at sort of more locally, uh, the earliest one that I know is 1994, um, and there have been various structures built, mostly by owner builders, uh, some by architects, um, and uh, of very various levels of quality and and so on. Um, and you know, wine well, wine cellars and scale, mostly domestic though. Uh, and then just to say, yeah, there's a lot of approvals. So 30 different municipalities have given approvals around the country. Um, and I've recorded, that's I've recorded, that is, that I can verify with over 55 different buildings. So if you look at um, straw, it's an annually renewable resource that could be um, from, generally from grain production, but it could also be dried grasses, um, but it's the stalk part of the, uh, the cereal grain typically. So we're talking wheat or oats or barley, uh, rye, rice, any of those kind of straws, um, uh, and, and that's typically a waste product. It's only renewable, these crops. Um, and uh, often, you know, in South Africa and, and California and these places, straw is often burnt um, because the farmers kind of can't deal with it. They want to prepare their fields. And so it also results in a lot of pollution when that straw isn't used. Um, and, and we have a, it's a, a huge potential as a resource. In this country, we produce you know, about three times more straw that, we, to, you know, in terms of building material that we produce as material, if you um, follow my, um, what I'm saying there. So, you know, as we could only really build about 250,000 homes, maybe 300,000 homes a year in the formal market with formal materials, yet we produce enough waste straw to build over a million homes. And that was a study done by a PhD um, engineer, uh, engineering student. Then you look at the en uh, energy efficiency, you know, it actually makes concrete block look uh, and brick actually look pretty antiquated, pretty backward. Um, so you're getting in the um, R values across the thickness of around seven to eight R, uh, you know, across the, the, the width of the walls. Um, it, the straw value is fast to construct uh, and, it, you know, with, with much uh, reduced environmental, environmental impact. Um, and, you know, in terms of building, uh, it's fairly simple skills and you get all ages, you know, it's, it's, it's a kind of participatory process. So you get generations of, of families, um, you know, grandchildren, um, parents and grandparents all, all building um, their homes sometimes. Um, and you can involve local communities and so on. So it's, it's got a very fantastic uh, participatory aspect to the way you build. Um, and then you look at its performance, uh, it's, it's incredibly fire resistant. So these are German standards uh, testing where they resisted uh, two hours at 1000 degrees and um, only uh, only had an eight degree temperature difference across the wall. So I mean, you don't, you don't find many construction that, 
much materials that will perform like that. Um, and, and because you kind of brace it typically um, and you have ring beams and so on, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's actually quite um, resistant to earthquakes uh, when you compare it to typical construction. Um, you've got to take care of the rain and so on um, and provide drips and then that's kind of the moisture is its kind of biggest thing you've got to look out for. So good roofs and so on, overhanging roofs help a lot. Um, and then the toe up, so it should be higher than the bales should be higher than the floor level. Um, those are just dimensions. Um, you get three string and, and two string bales. Um, you've got to retie them like bricks. Um, and then these are different base plate kind of details where you put the bales. Um, you can see the, these drawings, they're showing the bales on edge. You can also build them with them on a flat. If, so on the edge or, or on the sides or, or, or um, uh, across. And then these days we will put a kind of ladder plate. You can see the toe up or plinth in stone. And then um, a ladder plate which uh, protects the bales at the bottom, cre creates a capillary break, and then an attachment point for, for um, structures, for window and, and door supports and so on. Um, this is just some, some termite proofing. So if you've got termites that are straw eating in your, in your area, um, you need to, to what you know, then it can be an issue. Um, so one of the things you can do is put a full um, metal capping across the, the, the base, um, but then that needs all the punctures and everything need to be sealed uh, with gaskets and, and uh, solidly sealed because thermos can get through just about anything. We also, just on the termite thing, we, we also use we, uh, diatomaceous earth, um, and then you don't need to do this whole capping. Um, so that's also very effective. Um, and then, so you, and then basically structurally, you either have a load-bearing structure, so that means the bales actually take the weight of the roof, and you do that by creating a timber ladder beam around the top and tying that down, strapping that um, uh, ladder plate at the top down to the foundations. So that, uh, and then you attach your roof to that. So it can't, uh, the wind can't take it off. There you can see a sort of strapping tool, um, nylon strapping, um, one ton nylon strapping, um, and the bales kind of going in, the ladder plates and so on. And then you can see the roof. Um, so a very simple kind of structure, minimal materials, but obviously the, the vulnerability is from the top. So there's, the, you've got to really take precaution uh, you know, in, before you can get your roof on. And you will have compaction, so you've got to pre-compact. That's why you have that strapping. Um, so you will have settlement, so you've got to also kind of look at that. And then, but more commonly, you'll have a non-load bearing system. So this is an example where there's some masonry pillar work, um, which creates some bracing in the structure, and then uh, timber support. So you typically would panel each, each bale, every sort of two bales is uh two and a half is sort of maximum length of bale before you would have a some sort of bracing support um timber ladder or pole or something and there you can see the bales going in uh clay around the openings and so on and um and then the plaster work on uh this is a more solid plaster and we are doing what's called cobbing so it's a stiffer mix of clay straw and um we we're pushing that into the bales there um, but this is very laborious. It gives you a very solid um, surface than just smearing the, the, the plaster on, which can be very time consuming um, and, but, and less satisfactory in terms of how solid the wall is and the plaster adheres. So 
so you can see the conventional way you would carve is, is you kind of mix it up. This is very basic technology and then you pack it directly onto the moist wall. So it's a kind of extension of that technology. You can see that's a typical way you would carve. Um, you have these sticks and you push each, each kind of lump of carb, carb into the layer below. So it becomes a sort of um, uniform uh, homogeneous um, material. And so it's very sculptural. And so this sort of naturally aligns itself with straw. But saying that, that you know, that, that this process of putting a kind of solid, very uh, trying to get a solid key on your plaster, that's an earth plaster cob, um, is, is very time consuming um, and it's difficult on a sort of spongy surface. So uh, there's kind of, you can see this evolution of technology that I've kind of been through different. Um, now we use, this, as I said, this ladder plate and then, and then the key technology uh, sort of innovation I've come up with is, is this kind of pre-coating. So there you can see we, we put the bales up dry um, between frames and there you can see. Then we unstack them once they've all been fitted tightly in a very orderly fashion. So row by row, we know where we're going to put them back. Um, you can see them, um, those have been packed out on inside out of any potential thing from rain. Um, you don't want to get them wet and um, then you can see mixing up um, some soil into a kind of runny mix. Then you take the bales and you pre-coat them in this kind of runny slip. So it's, it goes in very far. You work that uh, that runny slip right in. And there you can see it's sort of mixing up. There's a workshop with three different dip tanks, uh, dipping um, uh, uh, baths for the for the bales with the clay. And there you can see uh, again three dip. So with workshops, you'll typically have a number of these bars so you, you can facilitate more people and you can kind of rotate the mixing and so on. There you can see we use these carving sticks and you work that that sort of slip. It's a very yogurt sort of runny mix, yogurt kind of consistency. And we push that that clay right into the surface that we're going to um, plaster. Then we, we put them back in their order and the, and let them dry. So they um, so you've got to kind of watch. Sometimes we use a stiffer mix if it's like this, which was more humid. Um, if it's very hot, you'll use a runnier mix. So you, it's all about timing. So you, um, so that you, you're basically trying to get the bales um, almost dry, almost hard, but still tacky um, when you start stacking them. So you can see there we, uh, they're ready to go on, um, and then you start stacking them and working that surface. So in the same day, they become fireproof, waterproof, and with a very solid plaster on. So you save weeks of time and you get a sort of combination between the solidity of a wall like a cob wall because you don't they don't sound hollow anymore they become very firm and strong um, and then you have all the insulation of, of straw um, you, you kind of from the bars you'll get a sort of you'll you'll take out that stiffer mix and then you you already use that it's kind of like a ready-made cob you half dry it off in the sun and then you use that to to um, to stack back in. You can see we stake sometimes horizontally, we cut slots in and you also knock stakes in um, uh, to, to sort of pin the bales together. There you can see stuff, stuffing straw in where the bales maybe didn't fit so well. And there you can see working that surface to push the cob further in and let it, you kind of work the surface so that it hardens and, and you, you know, you can flat it off and kind of get a workable surface. And you increasing, you can see all the cobbing holes increasing the surface area as for drying and hardening um, at the same time. Then you can sort of bashing that one uh, wasn't going in so well as tight and so on. So then you know, you can see the walls go up and they, they're rock solid. Um, 
and in the sort of same day. Um, so just flying through these slides, sorry about that. And then uh, just sort of a related um, technology, but I think, you know, may be more applicable for Uganda where um, you may not have bailed, um, you know, you can make your own kind of bailing compaction machine uh, or, or, or device as they did in, I know in Pakistan, there was some, some straw bale buildings done there and they, the guys had rice straw, but no bailing machines and they kind of made their own compaction to, to um, device to make their own bales. But otherwise you can do what's called light clay straw. It's more timber heavy. The walls are typically thinner and you make a formwork and you mix the clay and straw together um, into panels. There you can see the slip. So you make a slip, you let the thing, you mix up, you let it slump. So you leave it overnight. Then you then you sort of tamp it into formworks and you take the forms off, you left with um, a kind of very rich straw mix. So there you can see in a finished, more finished building uh, or the, the, where the uh, light clay straw is dried out more, you can see uh, um, how it fills the wall. You'd have ladders every kind of meter center or so. Um, and then just lastly, the plasters with straw bale, you've got to um, have a breathable plaster. Um, so we typically using a kind of lime dung plaster, lime being stronger, but you can also use a variety of fibers from newspaper, soaked newspaper, to say dung, you can do glue sizing for internal earth plasters. So there's a huge variety in the way um, you can get your finishes and plaster. You can see this is just a simple earth plaster. You can see how it can go straight onto that hard boom kind of cob surface. There you can see with very fine chopped straw. Um, yeah, and then that's just a lime plaster going on. You can see the lime takes longer to cure. You don't want it to dry too fast. So you've got to kind of wrap it up and slow the drying, drying process down. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's about it. So um, there's some finished buildings. And then just lastly, again, to say, yeah, it's, and, and you know, buildings, uh, yeah, as I said, and straw bale building really give the opportunity for much more than simply physical buildings, but also um, open up all sorts of opportunities in terms of the process of building and how that can, you know, form communities um, and, uh, in, you know, improve local self-reliance and skills um, and build local economies. So I think it's a, it's a fantastic way to build. Um, it'd be very interesting to see how it would perform in, in Uganda. Um, so, yeah, I think I can leave it there. Is that good? Yep. Thank you, Andy. Um, I think you can stop sharing the screen yeah. now. Um, great. Thank you for that. We're now going to transition to Agat. So if we can have that talk. I think you're muted. 
Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, can, there you go. Yeah, we can hear you now. Yes. Thanks. Sorry, I, I will. I will share my um, presentation. There's a problem. We are seeing your presentation well. I can see already. Okay, so I have a problem. Is going to the first slide. So thank you very much, Sarah and Felix, for the invitation, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. I hope you can now see the presentation. And Andy, thank you for for your presentation. I found that really interesting, and there are probably a number of things we we can talk about in the future. Uh, so I will be here today. Uh, with my colleagues, uh, um, Peter Dissel, he's our engineer, uh, Agnak Tadese, he's our, uh, one of our architects, and our production manager, Felix. Uh, they are now joining from uh, Addis, from uh, Kampala, and from Northern Uganda, and I'm currently in Berlin because of the COVID problem. Um, Yes, we will be happy to answer more questions after the presentation. That's why, why all of us are here. I do the main part of the presentation and would like to start a little bit with the history of strawboard. Uh, it has been developed in the 1930s. Uh, there are over a quarter of a million buildings that uh, were built with strawboard, mainly in Europe, uh, but also in North America and Australia. Uh, it has mainly been used for roofs, for partition walls, for cladding of external walls and flooring systems. Um, I started to get involved in 2009, together with a friend of mine, an architect, Klaus Fischer from Germany, and we were looking for a technology that is scalable, that is environmental and climate friendly, um, and could be uh, also introduced into uh, Africa into East Africa, uh, and we found this this strawboard. We um, started uh, with a lot of research with a number of universities. So the next big step was uh, in 2012 when we started to implement an R&D project together with the uh, Bauhaus University from Germany, the ETH from Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, and the EIABC in Addis Abeba that was in Ethiopia. It was funded by the DIAD. Um, and the result was the construction of a two-story building. You see that second picture there. That's the building. It's uh, monolithic. It's made just from the strawboard. It's load-bearing, two stories. Uh, and it has been used by the university since uh, 2012. It gets monitored from time to time, so there have been no issues, although there are termites, but they don't attack the board. And, and Andy mentioned that earlier. Um, uh, the, the board hasn't settled and, uh, you know, the professors have tried all kinds of very innovative uh, finishings to protect it from, uh, from the rain, for instance. You can see on this side they used a, a very thin uh, foil, metal foil. They made shindles out of it. On, on the opposite side of the building they used um, a cut inner tubes from tires, from car tires. And, uh, and all that works well. I'm, I'm actually surprised, but I'm happy to be here today to say eight years later, it's, uh, it's, it's all working. So in 2015, I opened up a first factory in Africa, in, in Kigali, in Rwanda. 
And uh, we continued our research, with, uh, which was funded by Forneva. We did a lot of focus group interviews, um, worked with a number of architects and engineers there, and uh, also built some model buildings. In 2018, uh, we then set up uh, and opened up a first uh, factory in Uganda, in northern Uganda. And uh, that last picture there shows that a little bit. We have a partnership in Uganda with Malteser International, that's a German NGO. Uh, they asked us to come to, to Uganda to the north because they work a lot with the refugees um, in, in a rhino camp and other camps. And uh, there are a number of buildings required, mainly school buildings, hospital buildings, and so on. So to, to implement that, uh, we set up uh, a, a foundation, the Impact Building Solutions Foundation, as a social enterprise. It's registered in Uganda. Um, we, we want to create local value chains, uh, and that applies to farmers that supply the straw, but also to uh, contractors and and builders, uh, architects, engineers, and so on, so that we really have um, a lot of people participating in this, gaining from this, helping to to make this uh, part of the typical building materials being used in in the region. And it is really our objective to scale this up, and not just for us, but uh, together, um, because. There will be a lot of construction going on in the next years in Africa. The largest cities will be there in 2050. Um, so we uh, we need to find alternative materials, and and I mean materials, not just this, but anything we can find that can be locally made, that environmentally and 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 climate friendly. So um, that's the third point to promote and produce environment and climate friendly materials. And for that, we have uh, set up a, a factory in northern Uganda, which I will show you in a minute. Uh, this is what we are talking about, uh, the straw board. Uh, you see on the pictures on the right-hand side, that's, the, that's a complete board. We have a continuous production process. So we make it the length, we cut it to the length that you need for projects. If we have 2 meter 85 uh, ceiling height, we make the panels 2 meter 85 and we don't have any waste on the building side. Uh, in the center, you see uh, a number of boards stacked. So we have a production cap capacity there um, for about uh, 2000 houses per annum in, in Uganda. And on the left, um, okay. So I hope you can see me now. Yes, perfect. Yes, okay. Um, and on the left is, is, a, is a panel that we cut through so that you can see uh, the thin layer of recycled craft paper on the outside and the core of compressed straw. And I will come to uh, what's in there in a minute. So uh, the width of the panels we are producing is 800 millimeters. They are 58 millimeters thick and up to 320 long, depending on requirements. We have produced panels that are five meters 60 long, but that's then a special order. So the machine can produce on a regular basis up to three meter 20. We can vary the panel weight depending on the properties that our projects require between 18 and a half and 24 and a half kg per square meter, which uh, translates into a density of about 
318 to 422 kg per cubic meter. Yes, and we are producing according to a British standard. We also uh, have a Rwandan standard uh, that's similar and we are working on uh, the Ugandan standard at the moment. So one key thing is the, the straw supply. Um, we, we use in Uganda, we use rice straw from local farmers in Noya district. Um, and as Andy already said, it's a waste byproduct of the production or in this case of rice. And the farmers there, the, the larger commercial farms actually burn it. Uh, the smaller farmers, the smallholder farmers, they usually throw it away. So it's not being used like wheat straw or other straw for uh, for, for animal feed or, uh, or other purposes, and at least not in that region. Um, to give you an idea what we can produce per acre of on two per hectare or 2.5 acres of, of rice field that grows enough uh, straw to produce or to build 250 square meter houses per year. So one per one every six months. And that is a really interesting thing to look at. In Uganda, there's enough rice straw to, to produce panels for about 40,000 houses per annum. Uh, and that already shows you that this is not a project that we want to do alone. That is a project that we want to do with uh, partners and anyone who's interested and wants to join. So this shows you our, our production facility in the north of Uganda. Um, when you, the, the factory building, and then you look to the right, that's the straw intake, uh, where in this case, uh, small bales from smallholder farmers are being fed. Um, we, but we also use big round bales from the commercial farms. And I think maybe I forgot to say that we started with um, the big commercial farms because the straw was readily available and they have the ability to process it, to bale it and to supply it to us. Um, but we, we are very much engaged and have just finished a social economic study with the smallholder farmers to really get them on board and to organize this. And, and Felix, who is, uh, who's on the call today, he's in charge of that and he has a lot of experience with that. He's done that before for us in, in Rwanda. Uh, so that we, we get a big chunk of our straw from the smallholder farmers and, and they have an additional income. So on the third picture, you see the, the press. So the straw is first loosened up, then it goes into a chute, into a press. Uh, you see the straw core in the middle and uh, the, the craft paper, the recycled paper coming in from the top and the bottom. We do not add any uh, chemicals to the straw. We heat it in the, between these beds, we heat it to about 200 degrees Celsius. And uh, the only uh, glue we use is the glue to, to glue on the paper onto the straw core. Uh, in the next picture, you then see how that comes out of the machine. This is the start of the production. Usually you would just see a long, uh, uh, about 40 meter long slab uh, that then gets cut at the end and you see the end seal unit there there's a saw that cuts it while it produces into the lengths that we need for the projects or you need for the projects yes, when it comes to sustainability um, uh, first of all it's environmentally friendly especially uh, when we compare it with roadside bricks 
and uh, that in northern Uganda, you know, we have a problem with uh, with clear cuts there. The, the, a lot of the, the the timber has been cut, and it's uh, illegally being cut and not replanted, so it's not sustainable. Um, we try to include the current value chain of roadside bricks into our value chain, so that we offer people who are in that business uh, to join us and 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 deal with strawboard instead. But um, uh, we, we don't need any water in the production process. We don't need wood to fire. And, and we have this rapidly renewable raw material rice straw uh, that we can harvest twice, twice a year. When it comes to climate-friendly uh, solution, then um, there has been a study that was uh, done uh, together with Forneva and uh, Efoy Institute in Germany. Uh, that looked at different materials produced in Rwanda at the time. So this is uh, these are numbers for Rwanda, but it shows you the greenhouse gas balance, um, including carbon fixation for the strawboard, which is about 21 uh, kg savings uh, compared to cement blocks. And these are mo modern fire bricks. These are not roadside bricks. Roadside bricks are two and a half to three times as bad in the performance when it comes to this. So our panels can be reused um, or recycled. Uh, when you have a building that you take apart, you can use the, the, the panels that you can recover uh, in, in, in a new construction. Uh, panels that break, uh, we take back and uh, we shredder them and then reintroduce them into the production process. So up to 10, 15% of the material that we feed into the machine can actually be uh, old panels that we we uh, recycle. Uh, and uh, I talked already about the, the waste uh, on the building side because we cut the panels in the factory in the production process to the required lengths, uh, the waste on building side is, is, is greatly reduced. This very quickly, uh, how, uh, how a wall assembly looks like. So this is for a um, load-bearing wall. And it also shows some corner units. You can look at that in more detail uh, probably later. But uh, when we build load-bearing walls, we use two panels. So our, our wall is 12 centimeters thick. Uh, and uh, we use a U-profile, metal U-profile, uh, that we fix to the foundation. Um, and then install the panels within these U-profiles. On top, we have a, a timber, uh, an FSE certified timber top tie, uh, and we use a, a super latex waterproofing at the edges where, where it's required. And I can show you that on some pictures in a minute. So mainly on the bottom, on the top, and when we have cutouts for doors and windows. These walls then, are, uh, we have different finishing, um, options and also what, what uh, Peter, not uh, sorry, what Andis, Andy said uh, about um, lime plaster, that is something uh, we are just discussing with Felix actually, because uh, we've used this in Germany, but on internal walls with the strawboard. We've also used clay with the strawboard on internal walls here when we did renovations of old buildings from 1560 and and so on, and it works really well. Um, and I would like to to introduce that also together with uh, Felix there in, uh, in, in Uganda. So what we do at the moment is either we have a cladding with a metal sheet um, and, uh, and uh, timber studs behind it, or 
we use uh, a waterproofing paint. Uh, then a chicken wire that we nail against the, the, the slab, uh, then a rough cast. So it's a normal cement uh, rough cast that everyone uses in, in the region there. They know how to apply it and, and then paint it on, on top of that. With that, we have very good um, performance experience. So it lasts, uh, there are no cracks there. Uh, the, the chicken wire helps a lot to, to, to make it work, but it's a, it's a reliable and good finishing on the inside um, you know you're pretty much free what you want to do some some cover it with with wood uh, some uh, leave it like it is so it doesn't require any cover it has this very thick 460 gram craft paper uh, so there are a number of buildings that didn't get painted or didn't get finished on the inside also to save money uh, the basic finish is, is a primer and then a paint finish uh, but you can also uh, fix tiles to it um, or anything else. Uh, and just in that context, uh, there, there are apartment buildings here in France and in Europe um, that were built in 1958, um, multi-story and the complete internal partition system, including the bathrooms is made of, of these panels uh, and they are still, uh, still functioning and the bathrooms are still the bathrooms with the panels that were installed in 1956. So we have experience about the longevity. Um, in, in Germany, we have a big um, convention center that was built in 1965. The complete roof of seven and a half thousand square meters is made from this panel. And uh, now 50 years, over 50 years later, it's, it's still on there and there are no issues. So this shows you uh, some pictures of the construction process. So the first, we cut the straw uh, just like uh, like wood. And, uh, you see, he has a circular saw there. Uh, we use it for for walls, for floor slabs, uh, for heat insulating ceilings, um, and so on. In the center picture on the top, you can see uh, panels that we prepare in the factory. So, for a number of projects, we actually prefabricate all the panels in the factory. So we cut out the doors. We cut out the windows. Uh, we, you can see a, a little gray paint that is this uh, special waterproofing paint that we put around the cutouts and then deliver it numbered to the building site. So to, to then set up all the walls for a building uh, like that, that is about 200 square meters would probably take about four days, yeah, a team of six. So it's a, it's a very fast, very accurate um, construction. Uh, technology. On the right-hand side, you see the building that was was uh, built in Addis, uh, the first one in East Africa by students and professors. Then when you go down, there's a three-story building that's actually load-bearing, but that was just a, 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 a pilot building. So when it comes to buildings we build for clients, if it's more than one story, we use a wood frame or, or whatever frame a reinforced concrete or, or steel frame. Uh, one thing in the center on the bottom, you see him uh, putting these panels on the ceiling. Um, they are very good when it comes to heat insulation. So we've done some uh, some measurements in school buildings that had no ceilings before and, and, uh, and measured before and after. Uh, and it was a, a great reduction in, uh, in, in heat inside the classrooms. 
but also when it comes to the noise level, you know how it is when it rains and then the rain hits the metal roofs that are typical in the region, um, teachers can't continue to teach. Yeah? So uh, both of these uh, can be mitigated with this. It's not, a, not the cheapest version. It's not like putting a, a three millimeter plywood up there, uh, but it is an effective version. Yes, then very important for us as part of building local value chains is also skills development. And we have been working with the GIZ and with DEG and, and other international donors that um, to, to do this, uh, we've introduced on the job trainings for locals and for refugees. So in these pictures, you can see on the top right, for instance, that's in the Rhino camp. Um, where we trained all these young people and uh, a lot of them have now already done three or four or five uh, jobs with us and um, uh, have a future to earn, earn some extra money. On the bottom left, that's a team. I just got this picture from Kakuma in northern Kenya. We're building a, a hospital there. So uh, they, they are working there. Um, and it's, it's really good to see uh, how open they are, how interested and it's, a, it's an easy technology, so it can easily be adapted. Uh, and they get trained not by people who come from Germany. We actually now have, uh, have specialists in, in East Africa who, who started to work with the material in 2015 and who are now training the young uh, and, and new ones. And it's, it's a really, uh, for me, it's a really great, uh, great thing to see. And here, here are a couple of uh, selected projects that we've built in the region. So in the uh, see school building on the top left with a large roof overhang uh, to shade it. Um, then on the uh, top right, that's a building in, um, in Kenya, actually, that was designed by Mass Design. Uh, and uh, all the walls and partitions you see there, they are made from the straw board. Uh, then uh, the, the building in Addis Abeba, you see the different finishes that the professor used. It's a flat roof. Even the roof, everything is made from this straw board. You, we would not do that in a, in a, in a, in a normal project, but uh, in this case, they, they wanted to do this. Um, and Agna, our architect who's online today, and also Pete, our engineer, they both were part of this project. And this was their first project with straw board. So they've, they have that experience for the last eight years. Yeah, and on the, on the bottom right, you see a, a typical uh, small building that we built um, and that's quick and uh, quick to build in. So now uh, I will hand over to, to Pete. He has one more slide about structural uh, abilities of the board and uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Eckhart. Peter, you're muted. Oh, yeah, the usual problem. Uh, hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank Hello. you all for joining. Uh, um, greetings from uh, dark Addis Ababa. I just lost electricity. Um, uh, I hope the basal connection uh, is at least stable for the rest of the presentation. Um, as Eckhart mentioned already, um, I'm a structural engineer working in Addis Ababa. We met in Addis Ababa when uh, he was starting this research, uh, research project uh, at EIABC. Um, uh, we met at a conference and um, I was very much interested in, in this material and asked him about the, the structural properties. And um, he presented um, uh, some, some handouts uh, from uh, uh, research that was done um, in the 19, 
uh, 80s and 90s, I think. Um, and looking at the values there, I was, I was highly surprised because it almost had the same strength as, um, as plywood. And I could not believe that really. So uh, I, was, I was personally interested in, um, and soon joined this uh, research project and uh, we did some field testing uh, of this material. And uh, it turned out uh, it, was, it was just a um, slight mistake with the, with the units. So actually it's not as strong as plywood. Um, it's about uh, the 10th of the strength of plywood, but uh, since we were using it for load bearing walls and even load bearing slabs uh, in this research project, um, we, we wanted to know exactly about this material. So uh, ever since uh, we conducted several uh, test arrays um, ourselves and with renowned uh, institutes uh, amongst uh, which are the, the Federal uh, Institute for Material Testing of Germany in Berlin, the BAM, uh, and, and these properties that I'm presenting here, um, they, are, um, they were, they were um, uh, tested at uh, um, University of Rottenburg, that's a, um, a specialized university in, in Germany that deals with wood and wooden products. So um, that was an extensive uh, test array, uh, very professionally done, uh, I have to say. Uh, so congrats to, to the students who worked on this. Um, and we, we um, got the results that we wanted, uh, that is um, bending um, in both directions, compression uh, and tension in, in both directions, perpendicular and, and parallel to the, to the fibers. Uh, we did some shear tests already, um, and all of which uh, comply to Eurocode um, uh, requirements uh, in terms of um, uh, statistic uh, relevance. Uh, so these values actually are liable and can be used for, um, for structural design. Um, looking at them in, in detail, um, uh, it is true that this is uh, not a high strength material and nobody expected that, uh, but given the, uh, the fairly uh, thick layers of, of 60 millimeters compared to other um, uh, wooden uh, products like um, chipboard, um, oriented strand board or, uh, um, or other materials like that, um, it, it actually holds a lot of load. Um, uh, so especially for the load bearing walls, I could mention it already, uh, we're using it uh, usually for, for um, single story buildings so far, um, but experiments and um, prototypes show that we can build up to three stories entirely with straw um, as load bearing walls, including earthquake forces. Uh, we then use uh, three or sometimes four layered walls. Um, so it is possible, it's a matter of uh, economics, it's a matter of uh, construction speed. Um, but um, in general, uh, it's possible, and uh, would like to would like to see that implemented um, on a larger scale in future. Uh, now is that we can actually also present to the um, permit issuing authorities, um, which which used to be a problem in the past. Uh, sometimes, uh, let me just switch off my video. Um, it looks very strange in the first place, and also it goes on the bandwidth. Um, uh, so, um, for future plans, um, most of the material properties are, as I said, tested. Uh, we haven't done yet um, full-scale earthquake tests. Um, that is an idea we're still um, uh, juggling around with a little bit, uh, though we do have uh, the basic properties to do um, uh, a solid earthquake design already, uh, but it's always better to test more. Um, 
that that brings me also to the point that uh, Eckert mentioned earlier that the close collaboration uh, with several institutes uh, uh, in, the, in the world is also a big part of this approach um, uh, because knowledge is always good uh, and uh, um, we can produce um, uh, several um, bachelor and master theses and, and also um, raise interest in the academic world for this kind of material um, and there is there's still a lot to look at, uh, detailed solutions, um, different loops, different laminations, um, combinations with other materials and so on. Uh, so we're, we're looking forward to, to bring this research further, uh, but we do have the basic um, knowledge and the basic uh, properties to do a solid design that is, that is approvable by, uh, by authorities already. So that's from my side, thank you. Thanks, Peter. So thank you so much, Andy and Agat and Peter for that. Um, I think it was very insightful. Um, for me, it's like pretty interesting to see that, you know, it's a material that has very many strengths. Um, and I guess the question mark is why is it not, you know, as popular here in East Africa? Um, but before you answer that, um, I would like to invite Edson Agume, who's our structure engineer, to see if we can um, add or ask any questions. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Andy and ACAD for such great presentations. I enjoyed them greatly. Um, I, uh, I mean, it was very, very educative, especially for um, for the straw bells for, for Andy's presentation, and since I have um, interacted with ECAD before, but I hadn't interacted with Andy. Um, I, I just have to uh, have a few uh, maybe clarifications and questions. Um, I think Andy mentioned that uh, we may not uh, uh, have these straw bells here in, in Uganda, but yeah, much as they are not much, but we actually have even here in around Kampala, we have uh, a facility uh, that that bears straw for for animals. I've, I've purchased them myself, and I think even in Andy's uh, rather in uh, Ekad's presentation, he has he has demonstrated that you know there are uh, farms that are able to uh, to bear this. Um, I the question for Andy. about that um i have uh, just a question for andy uh, about finishes um i i i like uh, the approach uh, on especially of dipping these things to fast before uh, before building to harden the surface a bit but i was wondering um whether uh, because I've seen so many, uh, you have timber beams and sometimes timber uh, uh, joists or something. Uh, I'm wondering um, when you are finishing uh, these surfaces, especially between the, the, the straw bales and the timber surfaces, are you not worried about uh, cracks that may devolve because of, uh, uh, of different uh, uh, absorption uh, capacities or different adhesion capacities of these surfaces? Um, 
also do we have our you've presented earth and lime plaster or do we have uh, other uh, finishing options uh, that are maybe more modern and more conventional and in uganda's perspective that that would be more acceptable um, and um, i don't know whether i should also pose another question to acad's team uh, sarah go ahead yeah um I, I, I like the straw board. Um, it's really amazing when it comes to construction time. I mean, build a house in four days is, is quite amazing. I just um, have, again, one little concern about the finishes. Um, as, as you know, of course, both materials need to be well protected uh, from weather, from rain, from uh, wind. But I'm wondering that um, uh, most of the of, of the approach for this straw board on the external surface is actually more uh, like sealing them, uh, uh, vapor sealing them. Are you not concerned about uh, the health of this material if you actually seal it on one surface, uh, or even if, if you seal it on both surfaces? I would think that the uh, the, the fiber will, will, will may not last that long uh, if you do that. Perfect. Okay. I think we can start with Andy. All right. So um, just in terms of different surfaces. So if we've got timber that is close to the surface, um, where, as you say, it would potentially swell and um, potentially cause a crack uh, between that material. So then we would typically put a, a kind of mesh over the timber so a non a, not a metal mesh we use a fiberglass um non non a sort of at, um uh, alkali resistant mesh so it's a plastering mesh um so as to kind of bridge that um uh yeah those two two materials um, and then when we come to sort of windows and things then we're careful about you kind of create uh, plaster rebates. So they kind of um, stepping in the timber where you can plaster over because the other thing that you have is um, you have shrinkage of clay around, um, at, you know, when it's wetter, it's, it's obviously more swollen. Then when it dries out, you, if, if you don't, if you just have a straight join between timber, say a timber door frame or something uh, and your wall, well then that could shrink away and then you'd have a crack between the two materials. So you know, there we have a step in or step out with the timber, the way we um, we would, um, uh, if we sort of pre-support the, the timber door or window, um, or it doesn't have to be a timber, uh, it could also be an aluminium door or something, uh, then, then you would have a, you know, the sort of vertical support that goes from that ladder plate at the bottom to a beam or rafter or something at the top or, or a ring beam at the top. Um, and then you side fix your your door window frame onto that vertical support. So we typically frame up all you know if we're doing we're doing non load bearing systems. So I mean sorry uh, yeah non load bearing system. So then we we'd frame up all the doors and windows first and then fit the bales afterwards typically. So you know you can get everything plumb and and true and and it, you know um, because otherwise you know what when people uh, build the windows in afterwards. Um, what can happen is the walls, and unless they stiff, stiffened up, then, um, you know, you can constantly have them 
moving out of plane and everything. Um, and then your other question, just about the finishes. So obviously, yeah, uh, one thing I should mention, as I said earlier, that the moisture is a concern. It's the biggest kind of concern with, with straw bale construction. The, the reason we use clay um, is actually because as a pre-coating um, and sometimes total finish is because clay is hydroscopic. So it, it sucks water out of the material. The, the ideal um, sort of moisture content of clay is drier than, than straw or timber. So it will, if you put clay next to, as long as it's not on the ground where it's sucking other water from the ground where it'll constantly stay kind of wet, as long as you've prevented that capillary, you know, got to have a capillary break between your foundation or your plaster, it shouldn't just wrap up to the wall because that can suck water. Um, but if you've got, you've got the capillary break, then you have this clay um, finish, then that's constantly, the wall gets wet, it's going to just dry out again. Um, and so they found even in ancient ruins um, in Egypt and so on, you can have thousands of years old straw that's perfectly preserved in the clay. And that's because of, as I say, that the combination of clay, clay really is the hydroscopic quality. So I'm a firm believer that the wall should breathe, like you're saying, the finish should breathe. Um, and if you trap the moisture in that straw, ultimately it will rot. And if you put cement plaster on, as I've seen, with many old buildings that traps the, the clay and the, uh, the moisture in the clay, eventually that just builds up, that moisture builds up and, and, and causes problems. So, so I'm a big believer in, and lime also breathes. It's not, it, it doesn't have as much permeability in vapor as clay does, but it, it also, it's the sort of second best. It's obviously harder, it's a stronger finish. So I'm not a big favor, a favorite of cement uh, finishes. You can, um, people do and have plastered in cement, um, but I don't think it's it's sure. And if it's dry, you don't have it, the wall kind of getting wet um, and needing to dry out all the time, then it can be okay. But in the long run, I still think lime and straw are the better finishes. And obviously, if you've got driving rain where the walls are being wet, wetted a lot of the time, as you can sometimes have in the Cape here with storm-driven rains, then we, we can put a siding. We would put like a timber siding or you've got overhangs at each level so that you, you, you're you not having these walls kind of being totally soaked up all the time with water. So it's, it's, it's you've got to kind of, um, you know, design it in its context. So not every, every wall is going to be treated the same way, um, depending on how your weather and so on, and your design of your roof and all of that comes together. So I don't know if that's answered, I hope I've answered no, your yes. question. That's perfect, thank you. Yeah. Yes, so uh, Edson, you, you asked about the, 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 the cement plaster that we use. It's not yeah. my favorite uh, solution, but it does work. And we have, uh, I can tell you in Germany, there's a building that was built in the 1990s. It has uh, the strawboard as a structural element. It was a special uh, permit here. It has three layers of strawboard. So it also is very good when it comes to insulation against heat loss and so on. Um, and that is also finished like that on the outside. So we have uh, experience with uh, performance over time. And as Andy said, the issue becomes an, it becomes an issue when the, the straw gets wet. But as long as we have a proper finishing on the outside, uh, you know, we don't have this issue. We don't seal it on both sides. And, and I completely agree that uh, a big advantage is that it is um, 
it lets vapor through the straw board. And uh, that's why I've contacted you about the, the lime plaster, uh, because, you know, I want to see if it works. In, in, and we've worked with it, as I said earlier, in, in Germany. Uh, the issue I see that you sometimes have very heavy rains with winds and um, to make sure that it doesn't damage the, the, the surface, how we can prevent that. And I know roof overhangs is an option, uh, uh, you know, but look at that. If we can make it better, we make it better. But the other example I gave earlier was the bathrooms in, in France. I mean, they have been sealed uh, on one side of the board for since 1958, and the panel has not deteriorated. Yeah, so... Um, Let's, let's find the best solution. And we have a, a number of cladding options. I mean, things have been built with nice, that's why I mentioned that, nice wooden cladding. Yes, and, and someone who likes to do that is, is, is also mass, for instance. They often have a wooden cladding and they used our panel in their office in Kigali, where they then put wooden, I think, wood on top of it. But uh, it also increases the cost and you need special abilities to sometimes install it. And when I look at the rural areas in the refugee camps where we are, we need to you know, apply what people know and what they can do and, and we can teach them, but um, it's, it's not always easy and the funds are always an issue. It's never that there's a lot of money. Can I add another point there? Yes. Um, so sure. So, uh, yeah, the other thing I should maybe mention is uh, what I've seen in historical buildings uh, here in the Cape is um, with the more wealthy kind of buildings and prestigious buildings, then the, the, you would find lime plasters. And these buildings, as I say, they last, uh, you know, indefinitely. If you maintain that plaster and, and often those, the, the paint, you know, it's not just the, the plaster, then you lime wash you and you renew that lime wash. Now, in modern days, and those buildings last. If you if you were uh, not so wealthy, then you wouldn't afford the the lime plaster. Then you would just have an earth plaster. They would typically add cow dung um, because cow dung has casein in it, and casein is also a waterproofer. So and it helps to kind of set a bit. So and it's also got all the fiber which is pre-digested and so on. So it's a very good um, addition. Uh, to any plaster. In fact, we, we add it to our lime plasters, makes the lime plaster superior, uh, more waterproof and easier to work um, and less prone to cracking. So, so um, uh, but yeah, typically you would just, if you didn't have the money that you'd find these older buildings were just earth plastered with cow dung in that mix and then they would lime wash the buildings. And, and if they just lime washed and renewed the lime wash, uh, the buildings again would last indefinitely. Um, and that's a much cheaper finish, obviously. Uh, and, it's, and these days you have the option of, of breathable paints. So you, you have membrane paints that prevent water coming in, but they allow water vapor out. So this, this is now this takes it into another thing. So I've done buildings where we've just done clay plasters, cheap, uh, easy done, easily done. And then we, we apply a breathable paint and uh, you'd never know, <laughs> you know, and they perform and it's at, at a fraction of the cost. So. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thank you for that. Um, Felix, I believe, uh, who's our architect here, he has some questions. Yes, thanks. Good evening, everybody. Um, thanks, Andy, Eckert, and Peter for a really interesting, or for 
really interesting presentations. I think we all, I can see that in the comments, everybody's really, really interested. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed the fact that we have looked at, uh, or we are looking tonight at straw from really two different angles. That was our idea for this presentation, so that we, you know, we, we, we see it as a versatile construction material, just like many other construction materials also have different applications. So I really, I, I, I want to thank all of you for your contributions. Um, I noticed there are questions from, from many people, so I, I don't want to ask too much, but I do have questions for both of you. Um, Andy, quite straight, quite simple questions. I think everybody asks simple questions. Um, you know, I saw many questions around water, which I think you've addressed in many ways. You've got some very interesting details at the lower level of the wall that I really, I was very interested to see you know, your ladder. I, I forgot how you call it, but you know, the, basically the gravel filled little mm. framework is, is a fantastic way of, as a, as a GPC that, that, that works really well. Um, you mentioned that uh, how well this stuff performs um, with fire. Um, that's a bit counterintuitive to me. Uh, can can you? Uh, I'm going to ask you more than one question, so maybe just just okay. say one word why that stuff doesn't burn like hell. Um, a second typical question that many people have, and I'm asking on their behalf, is. Uh, well, people with sort of allergic tendencies, is there anything about a straw, you know, a straw bale building that you would want to be um, nervous about or you should be nervous about? Um, a simple pr practical question is, can you ha can you hang a picture on the wall? I think that's also kind of interesting for many people to, to know. Um, and lastly, I just wanted a clarification. Um, I, I really like your idea that, you know, the, that technique that you've developed of, uh, you know, of, of dumping the bales into that yogurt like, you know, mix. Is there lime already in that mix? Am I, am I, no, not at all. Okay. Yeah. But maybe you can just say, 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 say sure. a word or two about, about how you, how that mix works. Overall, I really thought, um, you, uh, what I found interesting about your presentation is that, I mean, you, you focused a lot about, you know, how it's done. Uh, you didn't have enough time and therefore I saw lots of pictures of projects sort of flying through the screen and I'm sure that everybody would absolutely love to see that presentation um, in, in their own speed because I think what I saw is that architecturally speaking uh, there's a lot of variety so you know people very often think when they hear of straw bale buildings they think more of sort of the curvy cobby you know structures that, that that you do see but i think you can also really create a completely contemporary architecture and quite you know also quite simple buildings if you want and that do not necessarily show uh, you know how they are built so i find that a very interesting aspect as well so i i would really um, love to see your presentation um, with a bit more time um I'm just going to throw out my questions to Eckhart and, as well, um, and then you can just answer one after the other. Um, one very interesting um, aspect that I would like to understand more about is how you, um, what is sort of the standard detail that you use at the bottom of the panel? Um, I, I, I sort of understood how the corner works and I understood how um, how the ring beam works, but I think it would be very interesting for us to hear what you recommend or how, how the buildings that you are building with your with your panels. What happens there at the bottom in terms of you know in terms of fixing detail, but also in terms of um, moisture protection. And then as a second question, a bit similar, uh, I'm sure you've thought about it. I'm sure you have an easy answer to it. Services. 
are there any nice ways of getting conduits into this stuff? How am I running my services down the walls? Um, simple question. Thank you very much. Okay, so to answer the first one about fire, um, so basically fire needs, um, so I should actually correct that. So during construction, when you are retying the bales and you have a lot of loose straw around, that is a big fire risk. So you have to have fire precautions, um, no smoking signs and uh, fire extinguishers at hand and so on. You, you, you have to sort of, um, so there is a risk as I say, during, and you have to have tidy up. So you've got to tidy up at the end of every day or, or every lunch or break or whatever. You could people sweeping up all the loose straw because it would be the, the stuff just generates at an alarming rate um, as you're retying and work and handling the bales. But essentially, uh, it's about compaction. So when you have enough compaction, uh, it's like timber, it doesn't burn, it chars. So it, it, it can't, there's not enough oxygen to support the combustion. Um, and then because of the uh, high insulating value, and now you've encased it in clay, uh, you know, as I said, it's phenomenal insulation. So the heat doesn't transfer through. Normally fire uh, works by, uh, um, it spreads through radiation. So it just radiates through the wall and, and the temperature reaches a certain height and it just ignites all the flammable stuff. And then that starts your fire spreads. Uh, you know, it spreads through walls like that. Whereas here, the, the heat doesn't even get through the walls. So in two hours, you only had an eight degree surface, you know, temperature transfer of a thousand degrees on the one side, and it was only eight degree difference on the other side of the wall. I mean, what wall can do that? Um, only straw board or straw bale, I think. Um, something super insulated like that. So yeah, uh, and then uh, allergies. So yeah, if you're working with the bales uh, and you've got allergies, that's an issue. So people do wear masks and so on, um, but you know, you may not, uh, it may not be for you to build with if um, you have a lot of straw allergies. Um, but the, the, once it's plastered, of course, um, then you know, it's sealed in there and so on. So it's fine. And um, hanging a picture. So if you do the method like um, you saw there with a solid sort of um, pre-coating, dipping of the bales, and then getting that slip to harden. You know, you've got, you're ending up with about 70, 80, even 100 mils of, of solid carb or, or, or fused where the, 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 the clay is, is fused with the straw and set rock hard. So you've got two outer skins of almost 80, 90 mil or whatever. Um, so that, and then plaster. So you've probably got about 100 mil to drill into. Um, and if you've got very hard, like heavy, um shelving or whatever then you typically kind of build building timber supports plugs or what have you um vertical ladders whatever it might be you you, you know you kind of pre you make timber things that you prefix you can also even knock wedges in afterwards or or even round um sticks and then just cob solidly around so if you if you're kind of wanting a heavy uh, hanging and you you can you can do that even after the fact um and then lastly, uh, lime, so that, that in that dipping mix, it's typically just, um, so a normal slip is, is, is almost pure clay and, and the, the silks and sands fall out. So what we try to do, we, we build with a more, what a kind of cob mix. So it's a blend of sand and silt and, and, and clay. So it's about typically 15, you know, 15, whatever, depending on the stickiness of the clay. So I shouldn't even give you a percent. <laughs> it's a, just about not too much clay that it cracks, not too little, 
um, that it can't stick. So you're kind of looking for that optimum of maximum stickiness without um, cracking. So you can you can take that testing down to a very fine art for plasters to get the mix just perfect. But for this kind of thing, you just it's just very quick testing. So it's just more or less right. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect because you're still going to finish it in in the final layers. So, um, but I go for that. And then and then when you have that that mix, you've got to kind of stir it up. Um, and, and you can't, you, you mustn't just let it fl uh, sort of separate out. And, and so you want all those um, sands and silts in there, in there as well. So that when it sets, it, it, it's not going to be sort of weak and crack up um, with, with all the, you know, if it's all clay. Um, so it's, 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 it's that blend that you'd have a, of a cardboard, Adobe mud brick kind of set. So it's, it's strong in the end, yeah. Thank you. Great. Yes, Felix. Uh, yeah, so I, I can confirm also what uh, Andy said, and we've looked at straw bale construction as well. When it comes to fire with our panel, we have done a lot of testings in, in, in Europe, um, in different institutes, and uh, different kind of walls. Uh, and the, the result was between 60 and 90 minutes. We have a 120 minute wall solution as well but for, for the straw board. And it's exactly what Andy said, that it's, it's compressed so much that uh, there's no oxygen to feed the fire. And we, it's, it's kind of like taking a very thick book and tying it up and throwing it into the, the, the fireplace. It, it will still be there after hours, yeah? And um, uh, the, uh, when it comes to hanging pictures at the straw board, with the straw board, we've done tests. So with a, a normal wood screw, uh, can carry 80 kg per per screw. Yeah, so we have, for instance, TVs or or, or some uh, kitchen cabinets that are being hung on the wall. If it's a two-panel wall, that is not an issue. Yeah. Uh, the, you asked about the detail at the bottom. So, so there are there's an array of different uh, options, um, and you've seen the building in in Addis and. Um, you know, I didn't tell anyone about it because I thought it will not last for six months. And now it's eight years and I can talk about it. Because the, the professors decided to just use stones, local stones, uh, put them down and put the straw board on top of it as a, as, as a slab. Yeah, there is no concrete underneath, there's nothing. Um, there's air in between the, uh, the, 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 the surface of the the ground and, and, and the slab. Um, and, uh, and you might have seen on the straw board, they then fixed little L profiles and attached the, the walls that go up. There are some anchors that, that hold it down in addition, but uh, they have used some casein. Uh, we talked about that earlier or Andy did. Um, so we've done a lot of tests with different mixtures of casein to see which one works well to, uh, to, to, to protect from water, so they've used that. Uh, but that's the, the simplest and uh, simplest solution. What we now do is uh, we use a, typically, um, we use a U-profile. So it has, it's 12 centimeters and uh, I think six, six centimeters high uh, and it's continuous. We seal the joints between the profiles and um, we, we put, uh, uh, a tar paper into the profile and then paint uh, the, the straw board uh, with this latex paint on the bottom. And that prevents any humidity coming up. 
um, we fix the board with, with screws to the profile and the profile is, is fixed with bolts into the foundation. Um, there can be different foundations, so there have been very simple ones. Um, at the moment, our clients, you know, they are Germans, they, want, they, they don't want to see a little crack in, the, in anything, so uh, we, we have to build a quite high quality, but it, uh, it is something that can sit on any kind of foundation. I mean, the key is, uh, again, in the north, we, we sometimes have heavy rains and uh, there's a lot of flooding going on. So what we do is we, uh, we, we, we build little wall bases that are 15, 20 centimeters high. And then on top of that, we put the, the, the strawboard construction to have it out of, not just about 20, 30 centimeters out of the ground with the slab, but then an additional 20 centimeters of, of the slab. Yes, and that was also something we did in the beginning to because a lot of the typical cleaning process there is you take a bucket of water and dump it in the in the building so everything gets soaked um, and uh, and initially we built these these little wall bases for uh, to protect the board from that but by now we've also found that the the profile together with a um, what do you call it around the uh, the floor, the baseboard, if you will, but uh, yeah, that protects it as well. And uh, the last question was about the services. Uh, so we, we can produce the panels with and without conduits. So uh, they, they, they are 22 millimeters. It's, it's basically made for electrical wiring. And uh, depending on the project, we, we, in the production process, we already produce it with or without the conduit. Yeah, when it's a build a wall that uh, has a lot of pipes in it, what we typically do is we 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 uh, take the panels, take them apart, and have a void in between. That's whatever we need, six centimeters or eight centimeters, and run all the pipes there. In a hospital, we have actually once had that about forty centimeters, um, and accessible with little doors because they wanted to be able to run through more channels and more oxygen lines and so on at a later point. And because the panels don't need a framework, it can be open between the two walls. Yeah, so that was an advantage of a gypsum board, for instance, where you have a frame and then they can't run cables through later. Uh, but in this case, we, we built two single panel walls with a distance of 40 centimeters to run services through later. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Andy and Eckhart. Um, and thank you, Edson and Felix for the questions so far. We are now going to move on to the questions in the Q&A on Zoom. And um, just browsing through this, a lot of them have to do with weather. So I'll just like group them. I'll read them out in groups. Uh, so there's one from Natalie Machtende who basically had a concern with straw in terms of water and rain quite in and rain um, in quite and and rain climatic conditions and one from an anonymous attendee who says who wonders about the performance of the straw boards or panels in flood prone areas how can they be treated to withstand such conditions considering that Uganda's climate is hot and wet and actually to add on to that, is it, um, are they even feasible? Is this material even feasible 
for flood-prone areas. Okay, shall I say something about the flood-prone areas? I mean, I, I just addressed that uh, with, with, with Felix um, and, and mentioned that in, in these areas, we typically build a wall base out of uh, concrete or whatever and, and have the, that way get the scoreboard out of the areas that, that are flooded. Um, so it's not a problem. I, I mean, Uganda doesn't have more rain than Ethiopia, for instance. Uh, it's not a problem um, with the rain as long as we protect the outside, as, as I mentioned. Um, and uh, we've never had an issue with that. Really. Uh, the, the key is, yes, if, if there's flooding and the flooding is not just temporary. Uh, so we, we've had a building here in Germany that was flooded and there was water in it for a day and a half, about 50 centimeters high, and the scoreboard soaked up with water. Yeah, but then the water was gone and it dried out again. Uh, so, so that that works. Uh, but ideally, we take it. Uh, you know, if, if that happens often, it's better to take it out. Mm. Flooded, flooding. Okay, perfect. Andy, do you have anything to add to that? Um, How do those work? Yeah, only the just that point about the what we'd call a toe up, um, so that the the the, the main danger of flooding certainly that I've seen is more from yeah mopping you know spilling a bucket of water on the floor um, and yeah I had one project where we're actually in a floodplain area we built so the the council uh, made us build the floor level a meter higher than the natural ground level so we were already raised up um, but sure if 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 those walls were to have been flooded um, and stay wet, you know, the straw to stay wet for any length. So if, it, if it's kind of a flash flood and it drains off and it can dry out again, that's, that'll be okay. But if it stays sort of, um, yeah, solidly wet for, for you know, any kind of uh, pr prolonged period, then it will rot. Um, so in this case where um, that, that where I mentioned um, we built up on the floodplain, the it was an owner builder and they thought well this is high enough so they ignored the toe up from the inside so uh, so of course uh and then it was too late by the time i spotted it um the client said oh, he's gonna doesn't bother he's just gonna carry on so of course five or ten years later what it is the bottom of the bales from mopping as predicted um because there was actually the walls ended up being lower than the inside floor level once the screed had been cast so that was a problem in the bottom and um so what ultimately happened was that that bottom did start to rot and um you know you could sort of see there were issues and um so he actually had to underpin the whole structure um so he kind of put temporary props uh through the wall pushed pushed these kind of beams through the wall little little purlins or whatever and propped up the whole wall and and re, re put you know put new bales into it built this built the toe up in timber uh treated timber and put put the gravel in that wasn't there before and that uh, was one of the early buildings before we were doing that detail and then uh, put the bells back in plastered up it was good as new again but so it is it is uh what i kind of want to say is these materials are surprisingly repairable and and forgiving <laughs> and you you can recycle that clay you just remix it and put it back in with some new straw you can 
So it, it and it kind of the fusion between cob, light clay straw, and just pure straw is is kind of it, it kind of accommodates all 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 permutations and it's very kind of interchangeable. Yeah. Fantastic. And I know actually on that point about the plaster and the clay, um, you know, despite it being a very forgiving material, like how often on average have you found that you have to maintain it or replaster? So um, basically if it's done right, we, you know, one doesn't have to kind of replaster. Um, just you've got to make sure you that paint is um, kind of maintained if it's a breathable paint. Um, but I have seen, again, you know, where people didn't maintain um, their sills, their, their window sills, for instance, um, and their tiles dropped, they did some tiles or something, and they just did a single layer, and it sort of dropped out, and then just kind of left it. You, 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 you can't do that with a straw building. You can't just kind of leave it to, to, to deteriorate and um, let the water get in, because the damage will be, be quick <laughs> and, and more extensive. So you so when you when you have a problem like that, but it's localized, and you can go in and, and fix it locally, you know. So I haven't had cases where that's happened, and they didn't attend to it. So you've kind of got to go and rip out um, the part of that wall if if you've got some kind of damage there, and then just put new new material in again. Sounds good. Um, one of the questions here, and I think. Uh, George had directed it to Evad, but I'm actually pretty curious. Um, so I'm going to direct it to both of you. What is the cost per square meter um, of the materials, of the straw bales and of the um, panels for Evad? So if I go first, then um, I'll just, yeah, it, it's very difficult to kind of pin a figure on it, but because um, we're not really, it's not like we're mass producing um, lots of buildings where and sort of larger scale projects where we have quantifiers that can kind of isolate the costs for us. So it is pretty tricky. But what I would generally say is um, a lot depends on the process um, and where a lot of times you have owner builders or communities doing the wall part of the building. So they have normal contractors doing the foundations and all the normal stuff, the roof, um, electrics, plumbing, etc. Uh, and then the community or, or owners step in and then they build Then they can actually save uh, money. But where you've got a, um, and sometimes also it allows, because it's kind of simpler way, it does allow owner builders, although that has its own problems. Uh, and, and if you don't count the, the cost to the owner themselves of their labor or their time out from their work, um, or earning capacity, if, if, if you sort of see that as free labor, then, you know, people save a lot of money um, like that. Um, but if you get a conventional contractor, who's got to, they've got to keep their eye on the ball, um, even though the, so generally I've either found the contractors will say, well, we save a lot in material, but we've had to add extra costs for our labor and, and attendance to the job because they've got to keep a, a much closer eye on it because we don't have standard teams or it's not a conventional, method where we're building loads of these and have teams with all prior experience so you know uh so then they will either cost it typically at the same cost as it'll work out to be the same or sometimes a bit more even with a conventional contractor 
but you yeah you're getting a thick very high quality wool actually healthy and um, super insulated Yeah, so, thank you. Okay. Yeah, so the strawboard uh, costs about $15 a square meter. And um, the, when you look at construction, the advantage is that you can build much faster. So you save some labor cost. Uh, you don't, when you build single story, the panel is actually um, the structural part as well. So you don't need reinforced concrete columns and then fill it in and so on. So, uh, it depends. When we are in the countryside, it's really cheaper to build with roadside brick because there's no cost for the, for the wool, for the wood that just gets cut. The, the soil is taken out of the ground, so it's just labor cost basically. Um, and, and the cost for cement uh, in the water. Um, but uh, when it comes to the environmental in, impact there, you know, it's also a big question mark because society has to bear the cost later when there's no forest anymore. In, in cities like Kampala, uh, it's competitive. We, we are doing a number of projects. We are just designing a new project. It is a three-story building uh, that has a conventional reinforced concrete skeleton, but the external walls and internal walls, everything and ceilings are all out of strawboard. Um, there we try to make the, the concrete better. So we work with the with the BAM here, with the German Federal Institute of Material Research and, and Pete, um, on introducing a, a bioconcrete in, in Kampala. So we have, uh, uh, we, are, we are looking at adding uh, rice husk ash to, the, uh, to replace um, cement in, in the concrete and thereby again create a local value chain. So the, the rice husk that is there at the mills and its, its, its waste can actually be used to, to fuel a process of making food or, or whatever and we can then use the, uh, the ash again for the concrete mix and that is something that has been tested over the last few years already and it's quite advanced and we hope that we can actually introduce that uh, next summer in, in Uganda. Great, thank you. Um, there's someone who raised a hand, Petrina Salema. I'm just going to allow you to talk so you can ask your question. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, you can. Okay, so first of all, um, Petrina gave me this link. So my name is Edgar. Oh, oh hi, Edgar. <laughs> I'm sorry, maybe I was not... Uh, well coordinated, so I posted my questions all over in case you guys hadn't seen them. But they're basically the one that says in terms of the biggest city, someone mentioned the biggest city being in 2050. So how do you think this technology will um, influence the city or will actually promote good sustainable design and development in this city in Africa in 2050? Um, and then the other one was uh, how far up in terms of if you look at growth of cities and how cities with well, as urban designers, I think they do not promote uh, horizontal expansion, you know, in terms of sprawl, but they try to keep them compact because then that's how you'd end up with, I think, sustainable and cities where people can walk and live and um, do things within a small radius. So how high can these technologies go in terms of like um, maybe 30, 40 stories where you can actually have replace or come up with arguments that can replace office buildings and can replace 
um, you know, the modern day contemporary glass structures and then like implement, even if you'd have to use timber for the structure to also sustainable timber to support with uh, the carbon retention and all that. And uh, the last one is how can you market them this technology? Because I think another challenge we're facing is the architects who are currently in, in school, I, I graduated recently, we live with all these contemporary, you know, um, modernist or postmodernist type of design in our mind. And that's what we want to create. So if we get an idea for designing a school, we want it to have glass windows and all the fancy stuff, not necessarily looking at sustainability and, you know, easiness of acquiring materials. So how would you say you would market such a technology to maybe contemporary architects or uh, younger architects and even so to students? So that even when they embark on projects that are within an urban context or for um, public buildings, even private residential buildings, they're more inclined to suggest ideas such as uh, um, straw boards and, and, and uh, straw bales, especially where the material is available. Like in Tanzania, for example, where I'm from, I did go to a village where they were using the rice husks to burn the burnt bricks. So instead of using wood instead of cutting down trees they, they now use because in that region in Ifakara they produce it's like one of the major producers of rice in Tanzania so then they would have they just shifted the instead of to save the forest now they're going to use this waste material and before I went there I, I did not know that in my entire five years of studying architecture no one mentioned such alternatives so every time you think of burnt brings you'll think okay I need to find a place firewood and stuff like that so how would you maybe um, injects these technologies into universities and to like, you know, upcoming students so that they actually want to do this as well. Thank you. Yeah, so I, maybe I start. Um, there were a couple of questions and I think this could be a whole uh, two hour discussion minimum. Uh, but First of all, the, the idea to use rice husks to burn, uh, to, to, to burn bricks is actually something we've been looking at as well. Um, we've measured the temperatures, if it burns at the right temperature. We've even mixed it with our sawdust uh, from the straw boards production. Uh, you know, we had all this, the dust that comes out of the straw um, and, and, and found that the mix of rice husks with, with our straw dust um, can actually fire brick production so that's a good thing and and i think um you know it has to start with the students and at the universities it's a long-term process you won't change the mind of people who are like 40 or 50 today yeah they they want their bricks and you can talk whatever you want to talk about it will not change i think you know they might say oh yeah others can use it but i, I build a house for myself i use bricks and um the young generation has to, to, to look at that and you are the ones who, who will live in these cities in the future and, um, and can shape it. And, and I think it takes people like you, just graduated and, and interested and you ask the right questions to then take it back to the university and maybe engage with, with people like Felix and us and, and so on to, to, to get us in there to, to, to spread the word. Um, so I, what I can see is, and, and it's, it's very clear, um, you know, there is an optimal height of buildings in urban centers. So 50 story buildings are not ideal when it comes to the usage of material. There's a clear correlation between when it suddenly goes through the roof. And, uh, and I think I'm, I'm not an engineer, uh, but from what I've read, it's somewhere between uh, 10 and 15 stories. Yeah. And, and, um, 
there's no reason why we can't build these, these buildings with better materials than today and why we can't replace the infills if it's externally or partitions with other materials like, like the straw board. Yeah, and, uh, and we are actually currently working on, on, a, on, a, on a sandwich kind of panel straw board with, with other materials that can be, uh, can be used in Europe to build uh, buildings. At the, here's the focus is up to five stories um, structurally. And uh, there's, there's a lot of opportunity and uh, to create these local value chains. Yes, you won't get around using some concrete, but you can make the concrete better. You can use less cement. You can use local additives instead of things that are made from oil that's sent from Nigeria to, to China, then back to Europe, and then comes to Africa as an additive for a ridiculous price. And, uh, but it takes people locally to, to really engage and, and make that happen. Um, and I'm very happy to share any kind of ideas I have and to support things like that. I can, um, but uh, but we have to start somewhere. And I think this local talk today is is one of these points where things start because you all hear about this and you think about it, you come with good questions, and and uh, maybe good ideas how to how to use it and how to improve the the design and uh, the the technology, and and that's what we have to do. You know, it's uh, and it's not just about strawboard or straw bales. It's really all materials that allow us to build sustainably that can ideally be produced in a local value chain, that's what we have to focus on. And when I look at, at, at timber, you mentioned timber, and there is, uh, is someone in uh, Cambridge, actually, Michael Ramage. Uh, he's, he's a very good guy. He's very focused on timber. There are some videos you, you should look at is engineered timber. And uh, I've actually worked with him on something in Rwanda some years ago. Um, you know that that is uh, that is something to bring in, and people of that level need to join the, the process there. And and I know that his focus now is a lot on, um, you know, the much bigger markets at the moment, and 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 get that implemented in Europe. And it's happening more and more. Engineered timber high-rise buildings are coming, but it's something that can be done locally. And uh, the same with FSC certified timber. There is. Uh, uh, a, a big, uh, there's several managed forests in Uganda, yeah, but they can't request uh, or demand a premium, although they deliver a better project or product, you know, they, they replant, they manage the forest, it's certified, uh, but they have to compete against timber that's just being cut somewhere illegally and cost not much. And, and that's the issue. And that's where uh, also, donors and and uh, you know international donors have to come in and say when we build, we finance something or banks. It, it has to be environmentally friendly and and sustainable. And the material now, you know, everyone is looking at uh, solar panels and energy and, and hydroelectric energy and so on. But not many people looking at the materials. And I think that is now <coughs> you have to have and. Um, and, and, and a lot can be done. And I don't see why, why we can't build 10 story buildings using technologies like, uh, like the ones we are discussing this evening. I think, I think some good points. Um, so just to, to add, uh, obviously straw bales 
themselves, if you're building with bales, you, you have that thickness. Um, so it's not, I think the main thing is it's, you know, it's, there's no silver bullet. There's no one solution. It's, it's, it's a bunch of solutions and it's just another arrow in your quiver, so to speak. And it all depends about what's, what makes sense in, in the context and what you're trying to achieve, um, locally. Um, but I agree it, 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 for me, it's very much about that creation of, of local value chains and using, uh, being more self-reliant on what is local. And so whatever that might be. And, um, so, so that's why I also showed the light clay straw, um, which is a kind of hybrid or it's a slightly different method, um, which allows for thinner walls, um, but it is more timber heavy. So, so you kind of got to weigh the, weigh these things up. Um, and yeah, I think in terms of, uh, um, sort of promoting, um, these types of materials and so on, I think it's a mindset and definitely the students um and and having you know is, is where it's where it's gonna grow from uh, the younger generation and um so it's, it's having talks like this is very much uh, i think it's important to to um, create dialogue and raise awareness because i think that's you know unfortunately we these types of industries aren't typically um you know don't have the clout of the big cement industries and the big kind of um petrochemical based materials. I mean, they, they advertise a lot and they'll tell you how green their polystyrene blocks are and so on. Uh, <laughs> and so we can't really compete with that. But I think on an intellectual level and on a sustainable level, if people really want to engage in sustainable um, practices, then, uh, you know, it doesn't take long to you. Then you look, when you start looking at these materials, then you realize, yeah, these are solutions. Um, whereas you look at Kind of the the marketing of some of the so-called greenwashed products out there they're not so green you realize and they're still heavily based on on the petrochemical industry or or cement products you know i think we have a way too many we we, we, we you know as architects we just um tend to think of form and instead of um material and uh, how that informs form and our forms that we make uh, so and the climate and how it affects the climate. And, and when you start to take on those other factors, the social factors and everything, then, then one's understanding of material um, changes or, or response to the form that you're going to make um, is informed more from the materials you have around you and the process which you're going to engage in to build more than the design and then, okay, what material should we use for this design? Great. Thank you both so much. I think we are about to close. Um, and just looking through the questions, I think in one way or another, all the questions have been answered. So thank you for that. Um, I will just invite... Um, oh, Peter, did you have something to say? I see your hand is up. Um, yeah, if I have the time, uh, just from a um, structural engineering point of view to add to uh, what Andy and Eckert were which is saying regarding densification of uh, cities and mega cities. Um, one thing is, um, it is for sure that we will have high rises in these cities, whether we like it or not. Even if there is a sweet spot at um, 10 to 15 stories, material wise, uh, we will see higher buildings, whether we like it or not. Um, in terms of um, the materials that we're just discussing here uh, and their use in, in high rises, um, 
just basically speaking, the, the two uh, challenges when building a high rise, um, surprisingly, is not the vertical forces. It's not the height of the building itself. Uh, it is it is uh, earthquake and it is um, fire safety. So um, we heard that, uh, that these materials have, have uh, no problem in terms of uh, fire resistance. And in earthquake, they actually are very beneficial, at least the storeboards, uh, because they reduce um, the overall uh, weight compared to, uh, to uh, hollow block, uh, concrete hollow block structures that are currently used. Um, so we can save actually on the load bearing structure by, by um, lighter infill walls are made from these kinds of materials. Um, but there is a limitation to that as well. Uh, that's why the, the really high buildings, they don't use uh, heavy uh, partition walls, uh, even in conventional um, structures. Um, they use element walls and drywalling. So for the drywalling, uh, it's, it's, um, it's an equal substitute or a better substitute. And for the element facade, uh, we were thinking about that as well, because um, as much as we like, um, uh, like Andy mentioned, and I completely agree with that, uh, we like to use the materials at hand um, to, the, to the best uh, function. Uh, and um, we also need to think about uh, providing an industrial product uh, for conventional uh, approaches, uh, because still this is the majority um, of, of the structures we're, we're seeing in the cities. Uh, and I think we should, we should think about providing solutions that are easy, implementable in conventional systems. Uh, so that's what we're thinking about uh, element facades made from strawboard, for example, that can, that can substitute uh, um, sandwich panel facades or something like that. But just that's from the engineering point of view, not contradicting what Andy and, and Eck had said before. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peter. Um, we're going to have we're going to have Felix to give a closing remarks as we wrap this up um, before Kafi over here. So, Felix, please go ahead. We still have a bit of time, but still, um, it's been a long session. It's been a bit longer than we thought, but I think it is. Um, partially just simply because it's a very interesting topic and, and uh, we've had lots of engagement and, and that's always a good sign. Um, one, one I've, I've learned many things and um, it's not always easy to, you, you wouldn't boil that down into, into a short statement. Um, but I, I'm just going to share you sort of what, what went, share with you what went through my mind while I was listening to both presentations is that previously I had always thought of you know, straw as this, you know, of course, this particularly well insulating material, which it of course is. If you think of straw bales as half a meter thick walls, they have a phenomenal um, insulation um, property. This is of course not something we're actually looking for in Uganda, funny enough. We are living on the equator where the temperature is always between 20 and 24 degrees and never changes. Um, we couldn't, we, we're not that, that particular about insulation. So it always went through my mind, this question, I, I'm interested in it and then thought, but is it really the right thing? Don't, is it what we want here? Is it not the very heavy core and a relatively light facade around it that, that allows air to pass through a building? But what, what I learned tonight or what, what really sort of became very clear to me is that there are so many other interesting uh, aspects of straw way beyond that one aspect of insulation. Um, uh, and, you know, just to, to mention, of course, the few 
obvious ones. It is of course the com completely renewable. We are not burning anything. We are not um, we are not using wood. We are basically using a byproduct of agricultural um, production. This is of course in itself already an amazing an amazing aspect. One thing that I think Peter has just mentioned, which is also really interesting, it's lightweight. This is maybe was not we didn't talk so much about it, but I think this is also something that of course causes. Um, far lighter foundations, far simpler uh, building around the walls, because you simply have a very lightweight uh, material. It's local, it's natural, it's healthy. Um, it is relatively low skill. Um, so we are definitely, we as local works are very keen on trying it out. Um, I'm, I must say I am very keen on the, on the straw bale. Um, I appreciate that Andy has also talked a little bit about the, the light clay straw. Um, idea, which is also something we're interested in. But of course, I'm generally, one thing I like about the straw bale technology is that you do not need to shutter. And, and shuttering is always something that sort of, you know, is material, it is time, it is labor, it is cost, it is all sorts of things. Um, it's kind of beautiful just to be able to stack up a material. Um, so I, I, I quite I quite like uh, that whole aspect of, of, of straw bale construction. Um, those are my very short closing remarks around the topic itself. For local talks, um, it's going to continue. It is going to remain, uh, at least for now, a, a quarterly um, affair. It is going to probably remain online. That was not our idea initially, as you can imagine. Um, this is actually the first one where we decided we do it completely uh, as a webinar. Um, you know, in the beginning, we did some kind of hybrid. Let's hope that uh, in, in a year from now, or whenever uh, the pandemic is a bit uh, is a bit over, that we can have that we can meet face to face, and that we can have also some practical engagement. That's something that um, local talks was always about. We do not know yet what the topic is of the next session, um, but we know the date because it is always the third Wednesday of every third month of the year. Um, so whatever that is in March, March 16th, or whatever it may be, um, we will obviously. Uh, inform you and if any of you literally any of you has an interesting idea or, or a question or a proposal or somebody they think we should bring into this forum uh, please don't hesitate to send us an email and let us know we are always um, interested in in you know basically providing the forum for an interesting debate that has more than us as the interesting members in it, um, which I'm very happy to say we we are we seem to be achieving um, as my last comment, I, I want to thank Sarah. Sarah has said this is her last session. Um, I want to thank her for every for all the work she has done for Local Turks, helping setting it up and, and helping and running it for, for this year. And um, I can already tell everybody that we have a very, very able and, and, and skilled successor for Sarah, and um, we will present her to you uh, in March in the next session. Thanks a lot from my side, and uh, Sarah, probably you close the session. Yes, thank you everyone who showed up today. Thank you to our speakers, Andy, Eckhart and Peter, and for the amazing questions from Edson, uh, Felix and Edgar, who actually spoke, uh, as well as the people who sent through their questions in the Q&A. Um, I had a quick look on Facebook and there were no burning questions. So I think everything is handled. Um, as we normally do, as we normally do, we will be sending you an email 
um, of the replay um, of this session. So I know that was a burning question in the Q&A. You will be able to review this at your own pace. Um, or alternatively, you could simply look for the local works page on Facebook and the video will also be saved there because it was streaming live on there. So thank you everyone for showing up and we hope to catch you on March 17th, 2021. Have a lovely holiday um, and stay safe. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>